0: Um, commercial coffee for me, it's like a filling station. You need petrol, right? You need, what I need is something that's going to give me the kick or the boost that I need to enable me to go and do the next thing. The quality of my interaction with it, um, is probably not as central. I mean, yes, I I do want it to taste good, but ultimately I'm hiring that commercial coffee to give me the boost and the caffeine kick. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that, that that is the purpose that it serves,
1: Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Mapper Ford, friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar, and this is episode one of a very exciting series for me. One of my favorite people to invite onto the podcast, Brian Gaffney. Welcome back to the podcast, sir.
0: Thank you, Lee. Uh, super appreciate you inviting me back to the conversation. Uh, super excited to engage um, around some of the topics that we have planned and to hear from the community what they think of it as a result of the discussion.
1: You are a favorite. I did tell you that off the air, but I want to make sure that everybody knows that you were one of the favorites of the year that you came on the podcast for the first time. So when I posted this question on social media, on LinkedIn specifically, and said, is specialty coffee a viable business model or is it an expensive hobby? Um, I was not surprised when I heard your comments on there, and I thought I got to get right onto the podcast so that we can have an extensive conversation about this, because you bring two perspectives. The last time you were on the podcast, you were purely a consumer, and you're a consultant in the business world, but now you're a part of the industry. Correct?
0: That is correct. Um, I think, like many management consultants, right? We work on lots of problems in lots yep. of industries, and. Coffee is one where I finally found a problem that I really wanted to commit myself to full time and trying to help solve since the last time we spoke. I'm now working with Caravella Coffee.
1: Yes. The wonderful Caravella, who are not a sponsor of this podcast, um, but I have a lot of respect for the work that they do and all the producers that I speak to that work with Caravella and all the people in the industry that work uh, and are associated with Caravella have so many beautiful things to say about them. So congratulations on becoming a part of a wonderful company. Um so we in this series are going to talk about uh, that LinkedIn question, which is, is specialty coffee a viable business model? Before people, before we dive into that, can you tell people what you do in the industry?
0: Sure. Um, ultimately within the industry right now, my role is to help Caravela um, best position itself, to be a really good partner to the producers from whom it sources, and then to be a good partner to the roasters to whom it sells coffee. Mm-hmm. And how do we facilitate that information? How do we facilitate that value? How do we maximize the value that we can add to that high-quality coffee from these very skilled producers so that roasters who share this va- these values and this vision can have that to be able to feature in their program and on their menu?
1: Awesome. Now, from the other side, where you are a consumer, can you help out or remind our audience your role as a consumer? Because this is really important part of the puzzle. So,
0: and and, and so it's it's really funny. Part of the existential crisis that I had joining the industry uh-huh. was how do I shift what's become my online identity as a consumer, coffee adjacent, uh-huh. to becoming someone who is now coffee aligned. But yeah. yes, as a consumer, and I consider myself a very pro-producer consumer, meaning for me, I am really passionate about finding producers whose coffees that I love, and then I follow those producers around the world mm-hmm. um, to, to whatever roaster happens to be roasting their coffees. And whether or not that roaster is in Dubai, they're in the UK, they're in Singapore, they're in Chile, Like as long as they're willing to ship to me here in Brooklyn, New York, and they're they're featuring that producer's coffee, that's what I want to buy.
1: Now, in your experience, as we start to, this conversation into the business models, is your way of participating as a consumer in this industry the typical way a consumer participates in specialty coffee? Uh,
0: absolutely not. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd like to believe my. I think my path in is similar to a lot of consumers. Um, I think for me, the opportunity was meeting roasters who really cared about. The coffees that they were roasting uh and facilitating that relationship between the uh the producer themselves and me mm-hmm. so by learning about um mauricio Chata in colombia um uh I- i'm drinking quite a bit right now of sebastian ramirez again another producer out of colombia um luis anibal Calderon. um but finding roasters who tell their stories and so that i understand as a consumer um, it's not a, only what I'm drinking, but who am I drinking? Whose work am mm-hmm. I am I consuming? And so um, that for me was the beginning of the romance. That mm-hmm. for me was really the beginning of the passion when it wasn't about a product anymore, but it was about a people connection. And so understanding that there was a person who grew the coffee, there's mm-hmm. a person who roasted the coffee, and now there's a person who prepared the coffee, whether or not that was the barista at my local cafe, or the, that was me at home. Um, we were collaborators and that we were co-laboring. And so getting to know then my co-laborers in this process was really important to me. And when I started asking who questions, again, the relationships deepen, um, than if you simply ask the what question based on a product.
1: hmm now I assume you ate fruit. Yes, I do. Okay. Do you approach- Why would you assume that, I'm curious. Because I guess everybody eats fruit and everybody eats vegetables, right? Now, the reason right. I'm asking this question is because do you take this same approach with the other agricultural products that you consume?
0: Not all, no. Um, mm-hmm. Where I find it's possible, so it's probably less around fruit and veg as much as it is sometimes around for me, like I'm a meat eater. Mm-hmm. And so the when we think about the farm to table movement, mm-hmm. uh, for me, coffee is very similar, except mm-hmm. that in farm to table, we typically think about geography and local. And, and for me, then coffee is less necessarily about local in proximity, but local in intimacy and in relationship. And mm-hmm. so it is a matter of um, going to restaurants where chefs do identify the farms and the farmers with whom they're working to source their meat, their vegetables, et cetera. It is um, being interested in going to restaurants that exist on a farm. And so they can share with you the process of growing these vegetables. Um, so again, where there is that connection to people and place um, and how that results in, you know, is something that can be consumed for me again. Now it's not simply I'm having, um, a bowl of pasta or you know a particular salad but i'm literally kind of consuming the story right i'm consuming um right. the work and the narrative um so yes where i can in other categories uh, not even just food but where i can do it in other categories to have that relationship sure. um furniture interestingly enough is an opportunity in a way that you can do that to not only learn about the craftsperson <coughs> but even where they source the wood if they're building a particular piece of furniture that so that kind of exploration Really, for me, started in coffee, and then mm-hmm. as, a, as a result of that, I've kind of broadened it to other categories.
1: Yeah, that's really beautiful. I'm consider myself someone who's like a conscious eater, like I care about where everything comes from that I'm eating. So I really resonate with that. Through my own journey of understanding what my relationship is to these agricultural products and the way I consume things, I came to realize how much of a luxury it is, and it's a position of. I don't like overusing this term, but it is a position of privilege to be able to pick and choose how I wanna participate. And this really does bring us into this kind of thing that's at the center of our conversation over this series, which is specialty versus commercial as a business model. And the one thing that I have come to accept is that the two different business models service two different kinds of clients. essentially, when they're being intentional. So why don't, um, why don't you go ahead and tell us how you see those two different business models and what the variability between them is?
0: Sure. And and I I even go back to seeing the post, unlike, you know, what any good, um, you know, how to start your day advice tips will be. Uh I, I woke up and the first thing I looked at was LinkedIn. So Literally hadn't yes. gotten out of bed yet, hadn't had my first <laughs> cup of coffee. And because of the difference in time zone between Australia and the U.S., right, so I literally see your post. And so I'm glad, one, that it was intelligible,
1: right? <laughs> <Because> <laughs> it was fantastic. I hadn't fantastic. Quite gotten
0: out of the bed yet, um, <laughs> but I sat and responded. And, you know, the idea of specialty versus, you know, commodity or commercial mm-hmm. um, for me is, is at the core of why as an industry specialty coffee struggles. So let's use an analogy, right? Or metaphor. Um, Commercial coffee for me, it's like a filling station. You need petrol, right? You need, what I need is something that's gonna give me the kick or the boost that I need to enable me to go and do the next thing. The quality of my interaction with it um, is probably not as central. I mean, yes, I, I do want it to taste good, but ultimately, I'm hiring that commercial coffee to give me the boost and the caffeine kick. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that. That That is the purpose that it serves. Specialty on the other hand, is now we shift from the idea of fuel to food. Mm-hmm. So now I'm looking for something that is culinary. Now I am looking for a flavor experience. Now I am looking for something to not simply sip and go, but I may actually sit with it, right? Because right. now the, the, the product and specialty is the point of the experience.
1: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mapper Forward's first on-demand workshop, How to Become a Coffee Consultant. Available now online for you to learn at your own pace with a certificate available upon completion. Click the link in the show notes to access today for just 50 euros.
0: Right, so it's not simply serving a function of caffeine boost, and it can, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But there is this idea where, Um, flavor plays a bigger note where um, the value that I'm getting from it, the job that I'm hiring that specialty coffee to do is a different job than that commercial coffee is being hired to do. The, The experience that it provides, the time that I spend with it, the expectations that I have of it, the questions that I ask of that coffee are very different. Much like I don't think most people think about where their gas comes from, right? The gas comes from the pump. I don't think many people think beyond right. that in a similar way that their their commercial coffee comes from wherever they buy it. The story behind that, not necessarily as important, but once we shift to thinking about specialty coffee as a food item, we ask it a lot of different questions, right? We interact with it very mm-hmm. differently. The vessel through which we drink and consume it changes, right? It's no longer that to-go cup with that with that kind of plastic lid and you tear it so you can sip as you go, right? Now there's likely a nice ceramic or a nice porcelain or like nice glass um, uh, mug out of which you're drinking it, right? Because the relationship is different. And so for me at the heart of commercial versus specialty, it is what job am I hiring it to do mm-hmm. and what experience am I expecting to have with it or, or or to receive from it?
1: I have to ask you, do you think that most consumers – disseminate the difference in the same way between the two, the same way that you do? I think
0: inherently they might, whether or not they spent enough time thinking about it to articulate it that way, maybe not. But I think about, you know, even I think about having a burger. If, you know, you want a burger really, really quickly, right? And you may go to a quick serve restaurant Mm -hmm. or you want a burger where it may be grass fed beef, right? Where it's being served with you know, these toppings, et cetera, you can choose the temperature through which you get it. The person a person may say to themselves, I, I, I want a burger, right? And so, but the decision that they make around where they go, the quick serve restaurant or the fine dining that serves the burger, they've even if only implicitly and subconsciously, they're looking to have a different experience. And so I do think specialty consumers they 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 do differentiate and make the distinction it may not be as conscious as the way that I just talked through it.
1: Right, I love this. In the next episode, we're going to look specifically at the difference between these two business models. Like what drives a business to decide to serve commercial grade coffee and run their cafe from that mindset. So the 7-Elevens, let's let's have a think about those kinds of things. And then we're gonna compare that to the specialty coffee model and to have a conversation about profit models uh, because it is still surprising to me how much money people don't realize there is not in specialty coffee so <laughs> join us for the next episode folks peace love and peanut butter have an amazing rest of your day <laughs>